Hello and welcome to Joko Yo. In the 16th and 17th and 18th and 19th centuries, as we've been hearing, many of the Hinton family, one of the earliest families of North Carolina, continued to move here and there, mainly just in North Carolina, continuing their tradition of relocating to find more favorable plantation conditions, meaning that the ones that claimed to own other people, that was all of them, moved the people they claimed to own when they moved. In other words, the Hintons, of course, were slave owners. It seemed to be a thing, as we know as students of history, that large landowners in the American South, well, they can't do all the work themselves, obviously. They chose not to. They chose to enslave people to do the work for them. Some Hintons, over multiple generations, moved to the Piedmont of North Carolina, and like many other ones, some they moved to Alabama, Mississippi, some other Hintons moved to Arkansas, Tennessee, all over the American South, taking the people they held as enslaved people with them. And you can see it not only in the land records of the Hintons, but also in the names of the descendants of people that were held by them as slaves. Names like Hinton, of course, Ransom, Monk, Cole, James. Now, not every descendant of an enslaved person with those last names is associated with the Hinton family, but if they have strong North Carolina ties, it does raise the possibility. I say all this to say that in all of this talk about the Hentons, the Lanes, the Hunters, the Thompsons, and other North Carolina founders that we will do in this podcast, to say that these people are some kind of hero or worthy of near deification, you know, making them like gods, that is absolutely false. To say that these people did all these things, accomplished so much by themselves, is not only false, but it's also dangerous. Like every person alive or dead, there rises and there falls accomplishments and and setbacks. Well, they all involved other people, not just themselves. I mean, for every Bill Gates that creates Microsoft, there are millions of people that worked for him creating his product and millions more that traded their own hard-earned money for his product. Nobody makes money. That's, re- that's, that's a lie. Nobody makes money. There's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. That's completely falsehood. Nobody makes money. They just accumulate it from other people. So there's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. In fact, the more money or more influence a person has ever had, the more people that got him or her there. So it is with the Hintons and the others of early North Carolina history. People like Briscoe. And that's the only way that history knows him is by his name, Briscoe. Because he was enslaved by two generations of Hintons, both named John, and who participated in the American Revolution alongside one of them, and who Briscoe farmed and 
drove one of the first wagons into Wake County. There are people like Mingo, also enslaved by John Hinton, who worked his entire life on Hinton's plantation near modern-day Nightdale. There are other enslaved people like Martha Adeline Hinton, whose father belonged to a man named Ephraim Emery, who was good enough at his work that other people approached Mr. Emery wanting to hire him, and who he himself escaped to the home of Henry Buffalo near Garner when he found out that he was going to be sold and his family was going to be split up. Wow, what a story. There were people like William George Hinton, born in 1859 to Robin and Daphne, who couldn't be married to because they belonged to other people. Robin belonged to Betty Ransom Hinton and Daphne to Redden Crom of Lenore County, then, and then to James Thompson. When the war was over, they married and worked for Tom Bridgers, raising William George and his siblings. Same story for the parents of Jerry Hinton, also enslaved by the Hinton family. He was born in 1855. His mother was, was Sylvia Sewell, and his father was Andrew Hinton. They couldn't marry until after the war either. But when the war was over, they married, moved to Jesse Taylor's property on Crabtree Creek as sharecroppers, setting up a multi-generational legacy of sharecropping. As they later worked someone else's farm on the Banner Dam near Lake Boone and then to Oberlin. Another person that was born into slavery, born into slavery, Robert Hinton. He was born in 1855 on a Hinton plantation just south of Raleigh. His owner was Lawrence Hinton. He remembered that Mr. Lawrence Hinton would sometimes give him biscuits. He also remembered the Civil War and that along with him, he, re he remembered 20 other enslaved people working and that they would never, ever profit from their labor. People named William Brickell, Sidney Cook, Willis Hinton, and others his mother was Liza. His father was named Robert. Robert Sr. once threatened Lawrence after he hit him that if he ever hit him again, he would hit back. And Lawrence Hinton, the slave owner, never touched him again. And I couldn't verify the relationship to our Hinton family that we've been discussing, but there was a Willis Hinton, born enslaved in 1840, who moved to High Point in 1868 after the war, laying track and working in textiles, later saving enough money to open a cafe on High Point's South Main Street in 1883, selling it to open the Hinton Hotel on Washington Street. And that hotel was the first black-owned hotel in the city and a known safe house for years for black travelers during the Jim Crow era. His brother, Albert Miller, owned and operated a brickyard that supplied bricks for many of the buildings in High Point. A grandson of John Hinton, colonial leaner, David Hinton, married Mary Body Carr, 
sister of Governor Elias Carr of Edgecombe County. Again, these were the slave-owning Hentons. David and Mary ran their plantation like the Hentons that came before, using unpaid slave labor, raising a family, maintaining and nourishing and growing the Hinton legacy that we've been talking about, we're going to continue to talk about as we go through this podcast. Upon David's death, he left his estate to his heirs. To daughter Mary, he left an enslaved person named Emily. Emily's descendants were typical of the stories of millions of African-American families sharecropping during Jim Crow, moving during the Great Migration of the early 20th century. Well, Emily, born into slavery, her great-grandson is named Robert Hinton, who is a professor of Africana Studies at NYU in New York City. Incidentally, a great-grandson of Charles and direct descendant of John Hinton, Lewis Hinton, is a film critic, also living at NYC. This Robert Hinton is a descendant of slaves that were held in bondage by the ancestors of Lewis Hinton. And these two people from two families connected by slavery lived in New York City. This descendant of John Hinton, named Jeffrey Cheshire, came together with Professor Robert Hinton to make a documentary about the ancestral home of them both, Midway Plantation. The documentary was about the attempt to move the plantation house away from the rapid growth of Raleigh and eastern Wake County, and this documentary is called Moving Midway. So in all of our conversations that we will have in this podcast of these founders of North Carolina and fathers and mothers of leaders, we need to remember the labor, forced and unforced, dreams and hopes and families of all the people that made it possible for those other people to rise while they remained pushed down themselves sometimes by people like the great-granddaughter of the builder of Midway Plantation, Mary Hillard Hinton, who was a member of the Daughters of the Confederacy and a leader of the Anti-Suffrage League, a group of women that tried to keep other women from having the right to vote. However, the contributions of the Hintons to the founding of North Carolina cannot be discounted, and The trajectory of its history would be radically different had it not been for the Hintons and their attached slash enslaved families. Sometimes a person's or family's contributions to a culture are so big that they can outlive them, that those contributions become far more important than the people who contributed them. And that's what this is really all about. It's what history is all about. The stories, the culture, not really the people. Sometimes bad people inadvertently make good things. And sometimes good people inadvertently do bad things. We'll continue with the Hintons and their associates 
in the revolution in the next episode. We will talk about their stories, but don't forget about the millions of people whose stories were taking place at the same time, whose stories are not as well known, if even known at all, because they were not even counted as people. But who without them? None of this would have happened at all. And thanks for listening. Until next time, y'all be good.